Welcome to the Radical Global Marketing Podcast. In each episode, we go deep with the world's leading international marketers and discuss the ideas and processes that make their global marketing strategies a success. Let's get radical. Hi, everyone. This is Mike Golden, founder and CEO of Brandigo China. And welcome to the Radical Global Marketing Podcast. So today, I'm speaking with Chad Franzen from Rise25. And we're actually going to flip the script and Chad's going to interview me about B2B marketing in China. So Chad has done thousands of interviews with successful entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and I'm really excited to have him on the show today. Uh, the Radical Global Marketing Podcast is produced in association with Brandico China. Our team of local and international marketing talent has been helping multinational brands achieve marketing success in China for almost two decades. This was founded on our unique, radically relevant China marketing methodology, which is built on insight, creativity, and execution across multiple China marketing channels. If you'd like to find out more about Brandigo China and how we can help you with your China business objectives, you can visit www.brandigochina.com or contact our team via email. So Chad, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Mike. It's great to talk to you. Uh, as you mentioned, we are going to discuss B2B marketing in China tonight. I'm curious though, take me back to your first experience doing B2B marketing and lead generation and uh, tell me where that was and what you were doing at that time. Sure. So actually I started out, uh, my first job was as a salesperson for a Japanese company in Tokyo selling software. And I was selling graphic design software uh, to uh, uh, distributors and resellers in Japan, in Japanese. Uh, so that was kind of crazy. And then that company uh, eventually sent me to San Francisco, where I did a year of business development, working for them, uh, contacting and doing marketing for the software company. Uh, so this was late, uh, let's say 1998 to 2000. So quite a while ago. Uh, so what were quite some a bit of different the... from now. Yeah, I'm sure. What were some of the, you know, like the fundamentals of B2B marketing at that time and that place? I think at the time it was it was really basic. We were doing going to trade shows and going around and meeting people. We're actually using the telephone and calling people. And uh, we were doing some basic email marketing at the same time as well. I think that was about the extent of it. It wasn't very sophisticated, to be honest. How long did that last? Um, I was doing that for let's say two, three years in Tokyo, and then one year in San Francisco. Okay. How was, uh, how was San Francisco different from Tokyo or, or was it the same? I mean, obviously it's a different place, but in terms of B2B marketing. For sure. In Japan at the time, it was uh, really about meeting people and having to go around and physically meet people and talk about the product, take them out to dinner, go for some drinks. It was really very old fashioned kind of style. Um, and all the marketing was more about like uh, advertising to support that or things like that. Um, I don't even think, I mean, I think email was just kind of starting back then. That's how old it is. Um, and then in San Francisco, started to get more into a bit more using email as a marketing tool. Um, and then, you know, combining that with trade shows and things like that. So uh, you did that for uh, for those years. And then I know you you went to grad school and then you, you did a, another thing. And then you started Brandigo in China, which is, uh, you know, a huge transition. Um, so how long was that about ago? So that was 18, 19 years ago. You okay. started brand ago. Um, so, um, that was 18 years ago. Tell me about B2B marketing in China at that time. 
and how maybe that compared to what you had experienced in the US and in Japan? I would say at the time it, it wasn't that different. So trade shows, huge. You had to go around and meet everyone at the trade shows. Um, we were doing a lot of PR back then. So public relations, media relations, having stories uh, written and blogging them to the press uh, who would put them into trade journals or trade magazines, things like that. Um, so pretty, pretty old school also back then as well. Um, not that much different. Um, very hands-on, have to go meet people and talk to them in person. Um, at the same time, data was kind of coming out and you could buy data or rent data from any company and it was, you know, everywhere without any type of regulation. So you could start to build email campaigns on all kinds of data that you had rented uh, that, you know, no one had agreed to, of course, at the time, but there was no uh, data regulation to protect that at the time. Did you feel like the uh, experience, the professional experience that you had had in that area and your um, grad school MBA adequately prepared you for, for working in China in this endeavor? I would like to say yes. Uh, nothing prepared me for China. <laughs> And, and I thought my experience from Japan, I was like an old Asia hand. I speak Japanese. I'm going to learn Chinese. It's going to be easy. Nah, it was really hard. It was really hard. I would imagine. So uh, as we mentioned, it was about 18 years since the time that you started Brandigo. Tell me about um, B2B marketing and the lead generation process, kind of maybe like pre-COVID. So we'll, we'll call it maybe like four or five years ago. Right. So it was developing. It was still very much... Uh, going to meet people, you know, person to person kind of contact. But now we've got WeChat and, you know, this massive social media channel for China and the B2B marketers started to use that. And another thing was they were starting to localize. I would say that was the era of uh, localizing into Chinese language. So let's say you have a multinational company and they're entering China, their website's all in Chinese, and it might even have been blocked for some reason by China or have been very slow. So this is the era where, okay, we're helping companies do a Chinese website, maybe have it set up in China, doing their brochures, doing some other assets that they can use as tools, but pretty basic around that. And then at the I mean, same time, you've got, okay. yeah, go ahead. You, uh, you mentioned WeChat. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it. Is there like a, a site that you're familiar with in the US or, or elsewhere in the world that you could compare it to? Like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, something like that? It's kind of a combination of all those things. So okay. it's it's WhatsApp or messaging, uh, but it, it goes far beyond that. You've got official accounts. So your company will have, like our company has an official account and you can go find it on WeChat. And we publish a few stories every month uh, that are long form kind of blogs. It might have video graphics. Uh, it's all laid out, kind of a long form type of blog type of post um, that our followers will receive and they can pass it to other people. So this became a powerful B2B tool as well. But at the same time, it's complicated because in WeChat, you've got a walled garden. So only the people that are following you are going to see that message. It's very tricky. The algorithm is not putting, putting it in front of other people. It's not like a TikTok where they know you're interested in this kind of thing, you know, and they're going to show you things that are similar to it. It doesn't work like that. That only shows you content that you've subscribed to. So. At this time, we're working with our customers and they're like, we want to reach more people with our WeChat. And we said, well, you have to do something more than just do the content. We need to push it out some more. We need to do campaigns, activities, quizzes, promotions to get it in front of other people so that people will share it, actually. Yeah. So what are some of the best 
kind of ways to best ways to do that if people seeing people following you on WeChat are the only people who can see what you say? The best way is to make wonderful content, but that's easier said than done. So some of our clients come on to us and, you know, could you make something viral for us? Could you make the viral content for us? I'm like, we don't make viral content. You know, the content goes viral by itself, you know, with people pushing it. It's, we can try to make something that's very shareable. We can do that. Uh, but making great content is the first piece for sure. If you if you don't make relevant content, it's not going to be that effective, which is the same as any social media, to be honest. It's the same in LinkedIn and other things. If you make something that's interesting or useful or funny, people will share it. So that's the first thing. Great organic content. But then the second thing you can do, which is a bit more Chinese, they really love little quizzes or giveaways, things like that. So you've got a very serious B2B company, like a, a Henkel, a big German company, or a DuPont, something like that. And you can see in their WeChat channel, actually, they're doing very funny things like, okay, answer the quiz, and we're going to do a lucky draw, and someone's going to win something or another small, and we're going to send it to you, um, which probably in the US and in Europe, probably not doing, or it might even be against... Uh, like some of the rules that they've got internally or against some of the policies. But in China, it's very normal and people think it's fun. So this kind of fun factor and very human type of factor is something in Chinese B2B marketing that people, it takes them a while to understand, I think. Interesting. Would you say that the um, specific events surrounding COVID in China um, changed B2B, B2B marketing from what it was kind of in the, th in the area that we were talking about? I, I think so. And I think a few things happened at the same time. One is that in the West, LinkedIn is huge for B2B marketing. If you want to find someone, you can go on LinkedIn and find them. They may not answer you or listen to you, but you can actually put an ad in front of their face, like a account-based marketing style ad. But in China, LinkedIn is gone. It's they, It just got blocked like, a, like two years ago or something like that. Um, or LinkedIn left the market, let's say. that There is LinkedIn, but it's only only for job hunting. There's no more social media posts on LinkedIn. So that part of LinkedIn has gone. So that's been one huge challenge. And then the second part was that everyone was working at home for at least a few months last year in the spring, including myself. I was locked in the apartment for two and a half months. It was nice. We enjoyed it. We, we were okay. Uh, but this forced a change that everyone was kind of waiting for of, B, of B2B really had to go digital, like really fully digital. And people started to do webinars and things like that. It's the same in the West, I think, but we were a little bit late in China, which is a surprise because the tools are, were all there. Uh, but finally, people were getting on doing industry webinars, um, using more of the advanced tools in WeChat or other tools to really uh, try to uh, get the demand generation going or to get in front of their prospects. So Brandigo does um, B2B marketing for clients and for itself. Maybe give me an example of a recent B2B marketing project that you have uh, been working on and take me through that process from start to finish, like how, how it was when you started and then where, where it sits now. Sure. Um, we have a client called National Instruments. It's a semiconductor testing company um, coming out of the US, actually. And they wanted to do a ge demand generation uh, project that would reach, let's say, four to 500 of their top prospects. Um, they knew the companies, they didn't know where the people were exactly. Um, one of the challenges in China is actually that the data protection now is very hardcore. You cannot rent data, you cannot buy data. 
uh, for any of your prospects. It's not legal. So if someone's selling you data, you have to be a bit skeptical skeptical about that. It's, it's probably not legal. So something like an ABM campaign, a company's marketing campaign, where you're trying to target people, individual people, is very hard because you can't get their data. So instead of an ABM campaign, we, we did uh, a demand generation campaign, basically. And the difference there is that um, we're trying to pull people in. We may not know who they are. We know what companies they're in. Uh, so we looked at those people and, and we did some small insight research about these semiconductor test engineers in China. And we found a few people, we talked to them and asked them what they're interested in, where do they hang out digitally, where do they hang out, what do they read, what do they do. And we found out these guys, uh, men and women, uh, were really interested in gaming, quizzes, they love the science behind what they do. And they're really quite, you know, well, they're quite geeky uh, people. And they love that aspect of their job, uh, which is really cool. So we came up with uh, an online quiz that they could take uh, that was all based around science of uh, semiconductor testing. So it's here's an equation and how you solve it. And then here's another complicated graph. What's the answer? Uh, so we had this whole series of questions uh, based on the beginner, intermediate, advanced levels. And so we took that. And then at the end of that quiz, if you leave your data, then you're in for the lucky draw and you can win like an electric scooter or something like that. Not a huge prize, but a nice prize. So we had this all set up and really beautiful. It all worked in mobile and through WeChat. Uh, so we've got the we've got the platform and the way to collect the data. And then we took that and we looked at what channels that they're using and we had talked to them. So we knew that, okay, there are these uh, famous semiconductor, uh, let's say websites and WeChat channels that they always read industry specific. So we did a series of uh, banners and advertorials basically promoting this quiz. And those reached the correct target audience. They went, they take the quiz, they, they leave their data, we qualified the data on the back end to see if they're a marketing qualified lead. We pass it to the client. They they check if they're an SQL sales qualified lead, and then they follow up and did their stuff. And this was a very successful campaign. I think it has a nice China touch to it. The China angles on the channels and understanding the target audience uh, was really interesting. And we were really happy that it went well for the client. Yeah, sounds great. So the the quizzes are a lot different than what you see here in most cases. Um, you know, you might see polls. People might be more apt to like respond to a poll or something here, and then then leave your data. But a quiz, especially one that's like you know challenging, uh, how do you come up with something that you think might works might work? I, I think that's the insight part where you really have to understand that customer. So one of Brandigo's uh, one of the things that we do is about this uh, China. Uh, customer value proposition where we look at who is your customer and how do we really approach them. And it's it's kind of going beyond just the persona, which is a general development about who the person is and their role. It's trying to dig in and find out their pain points and their interests and to really understand them. And I think if you understand that, you can make something really relevant and fun and effective. So as we kind of wrap up here, you know, for somebody who is thinking about maybe going from a place that's not China to China and doing marketing, especially B2B marketing. What would you say are some kind of top tips like, okay, you know, keep this in mind because you probably wouldn't be aware of this? It's a great question. I, I think it's three parts. Uh, one part is, as I mentioned, to understand who your target audience is and then what your message is going to be to them because it might not be the same message that you're 
you've got in Europe or the US or Australia. Uh, the second part would be about the regulations. Um, you might be in a highly regulated uh, industry. So if you're in healthcare, pharmaceutical, uh, very, very regulated, and there are things that you cannot do. So you have to be very careful about that. And also things you can't say as well. Uh, you have to be careful about the claims that you're making on any of your marketing materials. And then the third part is about the channels. So understand the channels. You don't have to use all the channels uh, and go in with an open mind and try to understand which one is going to work best for your client and how to use your budget in a wise kind of way. Okay, great stuff. Hey, Mike, it's been great to talk to you. Very interesting. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. It's been great. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Radical Global Marketing Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed making it. Join us next time for more insight, best practice case studies, and shared experiences from some of the world's most radical global marketing leaders.